0: You're listening to The Independence Network.
1: Welcome back to The Ramble Room. This is kind of a different show going to begin in May of 1774. Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart is 18 years old, and he composes a piece of music that is pretty special to me. It's called Table Music for Two. It is written for two violins, and the way that it works is each violinist stands facing one another on either side of a piece of music, which is laid between the two. Each of them read the same piece of music, one from one end, one from the other end, and it becomes a duet. Pretty amazing accomplishment for an 18-year-old to write this piece. The reason that it is significant to me is somewhere back around 1974 with my orchestra teacher, whom you'll meet in a subsequent show, asked myself and my friend Demetrius Gostas, and he asked us to play this piece for a concert. I'm going to play this piece for you so that you know what it sounds like, and I will say that this recording is probably significantly better than what we were able to pull off all those years ago, but here's what it sounds like. a few years ago I bumped into Demetrius Gostas again. I hadn't seen him in a long time and uh, we had a good laugh about this enough so that I went and I dug through my boxes of old stuff and I found the actual sheet music that we used and I made a good copy of it and took it back down to him and we kind of enjoyed several conversations over the next few weeks. Seemed like you know hadn't seen the guy in 45 years, and then all of a sudden we saw each other all the time. At any rate, we were in orchestra together, as I said, at Central Junior High School back 50 years ago now. Fast forward to January 31 of 2023. That's the day that Demetrius' father, Theodore William Gostis, passed away. Two days later, down in Cheyenne during the session, the 67th legislator offered a resolution of tribute to Theodore Augustus. What I learned then, I had never known before. Now, I'd been to Demetrius' home. I'd met his mother. I'd met his sister. Um, I don't remember anything about this being a part of the story and yet when that would have happened his father would have just been returned from vietnam where he was a prisoner of war for five years plus a month and about 14 days i wanted to take a little bit of time looking ahead toward veterans day and share a little bit about Theodore Gostis, and we'll play the audio from February 2nd there in Cheyenne in the house chambers and allow you to hear what happened then. Ted Gostis' story is amazing. He is one of the longest held Vietnam prisoners of war in American history. Theodore William Gostis was born December 13, 1938, in Butte, Montana, to a Czechoslovakian mother and a Greek father. In 1941, the family moved to Bear, Nebraska, and two years later, they settled in Cheyenne, Wyoming. He studied English literature at the University of Wyoming, and he enrolled in ROTC. In 1960, he married Joanna Ludecki from Sheridan, Wyoming, and together they had three children, Demetrius, Laura, and Jason. Ted was commissioned second lieutenant in the United States Army through the ROTC program at the University of Wyoming on July 28th of 1961. After attending infantry school, the U.S. Army Intelligence School for Counterinsurgency Training, and a foreign language school, Ted served as a German interpreter with the U.S. Army, Europe, in West Germany from April of 64 to March of 67. He then deployed to Southeast Asia where he served as an intelligence officer with the 135th Military Intelligence Battalion of the 525th Military Intelligence Group in South Vietnam beginning in April of 1967. A quote from Ted. The officers and enlisted men were crowded together on the plane. Going to Vietnam was going to take a long time. So from Oakland, we flew to Seattle and deplaned, and we all went together into the same bar and drank at the same tables and did not hear the word sir very often. It was as if we had a sudden group awareness that some, perhaps all of us, might not return. Ted was working with the 135th Military Intelligence Battalion Provisional in the northern part of South Vietnam during the Tet Offensive in 1968, when Hui came under siege. He and 11 others were captured and taken as prisoners of war by the North Vietnamese on February 1st, 1968. Again, a quote from Ted. He stood mute, rifle at the ready, dreaming of a stag he'd smote, how after with honed knife he'd slit its throat. I stood mute, hands limp at my sides, wondering if Mozart ever felt like this. I doubt he ever dreamt of war. I stood, not caring to be here, but nonetheless I stood. My thoughts began to wither. Then they went deep, deep inside of me, and died. When she received the news that her husband had been captured, Joanna began, in 1968, working with the national and state POW and MIA groups and became the Wyoming coordinator for the National League of Families of American Prisoners and Missing in Southeast Asia. She was a National League of Families representative to a 1971 conference of prisoner of war treatment held in Geneva, Switzerland, and she attended the Paris Peace Agreement signing in January of 1973. One of her legacies was the distribution of POW and MIA bracelets to bring greater awareness of the plight of servicemen and women captured in Vietnam. A comment left on the American Heritage Center's website dated September 9, 2019. I have a bracelet with Major Theodore Augustus name on it, as well as a blue sticker with a white star on it what the sticker meant I don't and can't remember. I recently was cleaning out one of my jewelry boxes and there was Major Gustus's bracelet. I never had read or heard of his being found or released as a POW but today through a friend got all this information about his capture, his being severely mistreated and finally released after five years as a POW. I would like him to know that even though this is many years later, I prayed for him many times. feel very honored to have worn the POW bracelet with his name on it. Major Gostas, thank you for everything you went through for our country. I pray that your life today sees many happy days and that you are blessed by those that love you. I'm a year older than you and can't begin to imagine living through everything you encountered. I'm so sorry for the terrible pain you went through, and I pray that one day you will be given a place of honor in paradise. I'm elated over finally being connected to you. Sincerely yours, June Dombrowski, Akron, New York. These are from the Joanna Augustus Papers at the University of Wyoming American Heritage Heritage Center, and there is a website for that. After spending 1,871 days in captivity, Ted was released during Operation Homecoming on March 16, 1973. He recovered from his physical injuries at Fitzsimmons Army Medical Center in Denver, Colorado. However, it soon became apparent that in order to serve his country, Ted had also sacrificed his mental health and any chance to leave a quote-unquote normal life with the family he had left behind. He was prone to unpredictable bouts of extreme rage and violence, destroying everything in his room at the hospital. Joanna realized the heartbreaking truth that for the safety of their children, she would have to leave Ted. It would take him many years of psychiatric therapy to recover from so many hidden wounds. Another quote from Ted, I wondered to myself tonight if maybe perhaps I was becoming a night creature. For when I looked in the mirror, all I saw was half of me. The other half was howling like a wolf, but I could not see him. While in captivity, Ted had suffered horrific torture. He had been severely beaten, kicked in the head and stomach, and hung from a rope for extended periods. He was often denied food and water, was struck in the head with an AK-47. Ted also suffered from severe intestinal problems and numerous abscess teeth throughout his ordeal. But, said Ted, it was the four and a half years in solitary confinement that did the most damage. The Vietnamese had learned from an article in The Stars and Stripes that Ted was a counterintelligence officer. His treatment was more brutal as a result, and he was one of only five Americans to serve more than four years in solitary confinement. Ted's brother, George Gostis wrote a speech in 1971 in which he tells of the heart-wrenching experiences of the families waiting for word from their loved ones. George explained that my brother has never written. Letters sent to him in care of the Viet Cong in France or Algeria simply vanished from sight. We don't know if they've ever been delivered. A Christmas package came back from Cambodia, marked refused. Ted had written to George before his capture in Huey. He described the very terrible and detailed war in all its hellish brutality. In Ted's words, death has stepped closer to Huey. The VC killed Marines near here, and the boys had six days before rotation. Oh, well, it's all in a day's dollar. Write about man's inhumanity to man. I can't write it because I'm too bitter. Bleed not for me. Bleed for life and all its meaningless meanings. Let there be light in and burning. The mortars come and blast away flesh. Eat life, or it will eat you, dead bodies. After a period of recovery, Ted completed admin officer and race relations officer training at Fort Benjamin Harrison in Indianapolis, Indiana. His next assignment was with Headquarters 6th Army at the Presidio in San Francisco, California. From January 1975 to June 1977, he received medical treatment from the Army on December 1977 with the rank of Major. He was awarded a Bronze Star, two Purple Hearts, and the POW Medal. His Bronze Star Medal citation reads... The President of the United States of America, authorized by Executive Order 11046, 24 August 1962, takes pleasure in presenting the Bronze Star Medal to Major Theodore W. Gostas, Adjutant General's Corps who distinguished himself by exceptionally meritorious service to the United States of America while detained as a prisoner of war in Southeast Asia during the period 27 February 1968 to 16 March 1973. His ceaseless efforts, by continuous showing of resistance to an enemy who ignored all international agreements on treatment of prisoners of war in the extremely adverse conditions of the communist prisons of Southeast Asia, demonstrated his professional competence, unwavering devotion, and loyalty to his country. Despite the harsh treatment through his long years of incarceration, this American continued to perform his duties in a clearly exceptional manner, which reflected great credit upon himself and the United States Army. Though the transition back to everyday life was hard, Ted found peace by drawing. I would get to the point where I'd think someone was coming to stick a bayonet in my neck and I'd pull out some good paper, a good pen, and I'd start to draw and draw, said Ted. During his imprisonment, his resolve was tested, both physically and psychologically. When he finally returned home, he turned to art as a way of understanding the otherwise unimaginable circumstances he had survived. In Untitled Werewolf, Ted depicts a feral-looking creature looming over a man in anguish. The werewolf, being equally man and animal, stands for both the instinctual and complex fears raging through those caught in the midst of war. In such a confined space, the man has little choice but to face this tangle of survival instincts, pain, and traumatic loss embodied by the werewolf. While Ted has since left such fear behind, art helps him grapple with what lingers, the pain. I did my bit with fear and I survived. Pain, however, was and sometimes still is the only adversary to which I buckle. And as a result, I pay pain tribute. A quote found at the National Veterans Art Museum. Another from TED. I can write about war. War is fear so thick you can slice it with your horror. War is chopped bodies into slices of thin wheels of flesh. Show me the slot machines which will accept these coins. Although he suffered from many health-related problems, as a result of his torture and captivity, Ted found that he could serve his community beyond the battlefield. He lent his time, creativity, and love for fellow veterans in numerous ways. He worked as a war artist, raising thousands of dollars in college scholarships for the children of indigent veterans. He donated 100% of the proceeds from his artwork to the scholarship fund. Ted self-published a book of sketches and poetry called Prisoner in 1974 and donated much of those proceeds as well as free copies. Ted found catharsis in and a great love for creativity. He shared an art fellowship with other veteran artists and, through his art, established many friendships. He presented art lessons to young children and retired veterans alike. He produced thousands of sketches, paintings, mixed media creations, poetry, and songs. Numerous pieces have found permanent homes in museums and galleries in Chicago, Florida, Wisconsin, and Cheyenne, to name a few. Ted often traveled around the country to participate in veteran speaking events and gathers. Another quote from Ted. Death is the greatest artist. All his portraits are pure black. Green grasses form the frame, and earth thrown on your face, is a substitute for critics' adulation. Ted loved his family above all else. In 1979, he married Joanne, Jody Bateman, and he became a stepfather to her son, Jason Cavisto. Ted loved Jody fiercely, and his first priority was always protecting and caring for her. Ted's youngest son, Jason Gostas, was killed in a car crash in 1986 at the age of 19. This loss affected Ted greatly, and he carried this grief for the rest of his life. Ted found comfort and peace in the love and devotion of his cat, a demonstration of the healing power of men's relationships with pets, healing that can't come from a professional therapist or even from another human being. This is from a letter written by Ted after death of his loving comrade Katrina. Dated 15 February 2001, dear friends, each and every one of your staff should know that you all had something to do with Katrina's longevity. After I returned from the prison camps of Vietnam, there was little that brought me solace. Then Katrina came along. She demanded nothing of me. Pets never do. So I gave her my all. Every ounce of love and dedication in my body. I pretended that she wished for something in that I could obey her command. She responded with a powerful love and loyalty few have known. A visitor to our house once said, that cat adores you. When she had cancer, I cared for her. And when she got seriously ill, I stayed up all night to minister to her needs. During her recent illness, I drove myself to exhaustion, trying to vainly save her. And the night before she died, I held her tight in my arms, and I listened to her muted purr. I looked in her old and tired eyes and entreated, Let go, Katrina, let go. Don't fight death anymore. You're going to a far better world than this one. Just let go and someday I will come and find you. I kissed her sweet face and carried her upstairs. She gave vent to a long, painful cry. Before I went to bed, she took a bit of water and food more for my sake than for hers. In the morning, I awoke to find her gone to that better world. Cats and dogs are put on this earth to soften its dreadfulness. Oh, how I miss my Katrina, the greatest cat who ever lived. Jody and I thank all of you at the clinic for your steadfast love through the years. Stay well and remain constant in your dreams. Your friend always, Ted Gostus. Ted loved to tell embellished stories and outlandish jokes, and there was never a dull moment when he was in entertainment mode. He loved cars, his cats and playing games with friends and family, cribbage, chess, poker, putt-putt, golf, bicycling were all a joy. He loved his piano, the opera, old movies, delicious food, and traveling. One of the many highlights for Ted was when he was invited to carry the Olympic torch from Greece for part of its journey across Wyoming on day 55 of the trek across the U.S. in the 2002 Winter Olympics in Salt Lake. Ted has received awards, recognitions, and honors too numerous to mention and very well-deserved. His most recent was the 67th legislature of the state of Wyoming posthumous recognition on Military Day, February 2nd, 2023, with a proclamation to honor and acknowledge with gratitude his service to our country just two days after his passing. A quote from Ted. Death is all. All is death. An interim between two deaths is granted us by no one. That's just the way it is. There is no other way. What other way could there be based on what we know? The interim is the thing. It's so awkward, so boring, and so dumb. Such is life to go from death to interim of folly and then back to death. Keep us comfortable while we live. Ultimate comfort before and after interim. Don't ask where you are going since you can't remember where you've been. Ted is survived by Jody, his wife of 44 years, his son Demetrius, with wife Linda Gostis, Daughter Laura with husband Dirk Stamp, and stepson Jason Cavisto with wife Jamie. Ted has six grandsons: Dimitri, Darian, and Dane Gostis, Jason and Jean-Luc Stamp, and Braden Cavisto, and a nephew Tom Gostis. He is preceded in death by his parents James and Helena Gostis, his brother. George Gostus and his son, Jason Gostus. Yet another brave soldier is lost to the world. Do we care? Do we look away, feigning sympathy for a brief few seconds so as not to disturb our illusions of happiness, so as not to ponder our responsibility? Or do we lean in? Do we cry out for the loss, the tragedy, the irony, do we embrace the pain so as to understand joy? Do we allow the hot rush of shame to wash up for us as we wonder why humans cannot be kind? Another quote from Ted, 2,000 years ago, a guy was born who was a magician. He conned people into following him, and when he ran out of magic, the crowd killed him. When I run out of magic, I too will be killed. Goodbye, Ted, Dad, Grandpa, Uncle, Friend. Huzzah! Your new adventure begins. I'd like to take a few minutes now and play for you the audio from February second, twenty twenty-three, on the House floor. Uh, this is the tribute that was offered then. The resolution read before the House.
0: We have a we have a special resolution and. Uh we're going to do that presentation. And so reading clerk, I think I'll have you read the resolution. And uh, we have in attendance, as we read this before we read it, we have in attendance um, Jody Gostis. is that correct? Is she here? It's his wife, Okay. Friends Marty Harbick, Terry Harbick, and Russ Talander. And so Chief Clerk, if you'll please uh, read the resolution. The sixty sixth the sixty
2: seventh legislature of the state of Wyoming recognizes Major Theodore W. Gostis, a joint resolution of the undersigned members of the sixty-seventh legislature of the state of Wyoming, recognizing Major Theodore W. Gostas, pos- posthumously on Military Day twenty twenty three for his patriotism, dedication, and sacrifice to the United States of America. Whereas Ted Gostas, born in nineteen thirty eight, was commissioned a second lieutenant in the United States Army through the Army ROTC program at the University of Wyoming on July 28, 1961, and went on active duty beginning March 28, 1963. And, whereas, after attending infantry infantry school in the US Army Army Intelligence School for Counterinsurgency Training and Foreign Language School, Captain Gostis served as a German interpreter with the United States Army Europe in West Germany from April 1964 to March 1967. And, whereas, Ted deployed to Southeast Asia, where he served as an intelligence officer with the 135th Military Intelligence Battalion of the 525th Military Intelligence Group in South Vietnam from April 1967 until he was captured and taken as prisoner of war during the Tet Offensive on February 1st, 1968. And, whereas, for five years, one month, and 15 days, Ted was a captive in North Vietnam, surviving on only two small rice balls and approximately four ounces of water a day. Ted was kept in a hole in the ground for, with 35 fellow prisoners in a space meant to house nine people. Ted was tortured and abused by being struck in the head and the stomach repeatedly with an AK-47, hung from a rope for extended periods of time, and denied water all while watching his fellow troops die. And whereas, during four and a half years of solitary confinement, Ted was beaten repeatedly. Ted was informed he was to be sentenced to death and forced to wear a cloth target on his chest. Ted's health deteriorated. The abuse Ted suffered led to abdominal damage, 18 abscessed teeth, and eventually affected his heart. And whereas, Ted was finally released on March 16, 1973, during Operation Homecoming after spending... 1,871 days in captivity. Ted was awarded the Bronze Star, two Purple Hearts, and the POW Medal. Ted endured years of therapy to help with the psychological suffering he endured. He made a full recovery and retired from the Army in December of 1977. Ted began drawing and painting about life as a POW and participating in speaking engagements to express to others what it meant to be a POW. And whereas Ted passed away on January 31st, 2023, in Cheyenne, Wyoming, and while we were no longer to be able to listen to him share his compelling story, we are heartened that his story will forever live on through his book, Prisoner, which brings to light the terrifying experiences of POWs and the sacrifices they endured for our freedom. Now therefore, be it resolved by the undersigned members of the 67th legislature of the state of Wyoming that on behalf of the state of Wyoming, we are hereby honor and pay tribute to the patriotism and bravery of Major Theodore W. Costas. We are extremely appreciative of his service to our country. We commend his unique and unparalleled sacrifice and extend our condolences to his family at his recent passing. Signed on this day, on this second day of February, 2023, Senator Ogden Driscoll, President of the Wyoming Senate. And Albert Summers, Representative Albert Summers, Speaker of the House of the Wyoming House of Representatives.
0: So I just, what a story, right? Boy, if that, that doesn't get you nothing, well, um, what, a, what an honor for us to be able to honor him. And for those of you that knew him, um, or just were, we wish we had known him. And so thank you for coming, and, uh, you know, I'd just say maybe we just give a round of applause for, for Major Ted Gostas and, and uh, for all he's done for Wyoming, for the nation, uh, for POW people, for POW um, prisoners of war. Uh, what a story. So hats off to him.
3: I just want to thank you, all of you, on the behalf of my dad. Um, you know, he's always been a, a hero of Wyoming in everything that he's done. He's had over 500 speaking engagements all across the United States to support the veteran. Um, he has uh, permanent art galleries, or his art is permanently uh, shown in Chicago, and they've opened up a new veterans place in Florida. So if you ever get a chance, you can go there and see some of his art. But more importantly than his art, it was the camaraderie that he had with other veterans. And other veterans have also uh, have uh, outletted their angers and anguishes and uh, you know, the tortures that they've gone through and the horrors of war through their art. And uh, so you know, he's really championed those people too. When I called him last week, when he was still alive, he was very, very happy to accept this honor from you guys. And um, I have, uh, over the years, have seen so much more of a tremendous support for the veteran. And I think that is awesome. You know, here in Wyoming, we've always been supportive of it. In fact, when my dad came back, there was nothing but support. But nationwide, you know, it's just it's just a pleasure to see that, uh, that these guys are being honored the way they should be. Um, he was a warrior, he survived a lot of stuff, But you know, he recovered and uh, he will not be forgotten.
1: Thank you. Thank you for listening today. And on the 11th of November, I would ask you perhaps to replay this, to think of Theodore, of Demetrius, of the rest of the family. And remember as well, the others who gave us the ultimate sacrifice that we can be free.